Well, this year during Lent, a small group of us from church will be gathering to discuss this book called The Wisdom Jesus, Transforming Heart and Mind, A New Perspective on Christ and His Message. So far, eight people have expressed interest, and we probably have a room for a couple more um, if you want to join us. Uh, The author is Cynthia Bourgeau, who was one of the teachers in the Living School program that I participated in with Father Richard Rohr for a couple of years, a couple of years ago. She's an Episcopal priest. She's in her 70s now and lives in the town of Stonington, Maine. She usually wears a toque and a lumberjack shirt, and she's about five five feet tall. Um... She writes and she teaches, and then for several months of the year, she spends time in solitude on an island off the coast of Maine. Um, She's like kind of a modern mystic of sorts. Um, She's quirky, brilliant, I think, and she laughs uproariously at her own jokes. Like um, she tells one about the, the mystic and the hot dog vendor. And so what, does the, what did the mystic say to the hot dog vendor? Hey man, make me one with everything. <laughs> and usually some people in the audience don't get it, others chuckle, and she laughs uproariously at this joke. Um, well, this past October, I was with her at a teaching retreat um, at the Claymont Center in West Virginia. And if all goes well, I hope to go to a follow-up one there this, this fall. In her teaching, and in this book particularly, she makes the point that Jesus is a wisdom teacher, as well as being a prophet and a savior. And she says that many Christians have missed this. And by wisdom teacher, she means someone who teaches a particular path, a particular spiritual path, a perspective on life, and a particular spiritual practice not unlike other spiritual teachers like the Buddha or Lao Tzu, for example. Wisdom, according to her, means a way of seeing reality. It involves a transformation of consciousness, and it's an ongoing journey of learning and growth. Many of us have missed this about Jesus, she says, because we've been taught to focus so heavily on what Jesus has done for us, on the so-called facts or events of his life and death, which our classical Christian creeds emphasize. The Nicene Creed, for example, says that Jesus was conceived by the Virgin Mary, was crucified for our sake under Pontius Pilate, rose again on the third day, ascended into heaven, is seated now at the right hand of the Father, will come again in glory. The creed reads like a list of objective facts. It emphasizes the miraculous events, what happened to Jesus, what he's done for us, where he is now, what he will do in the future. It's really quite something that the creed doesn't say anything at all about what Jesus taught. It's really quite extraordinary when you think of it, the summation of Jesus without any reference to his teaching. Um, This was an issue that was not lost on the early Anabaptists. They noticed this about the creeds, and they um, were perturbed by it. 
Their insight was that Jesus taught us about how to live a new sort of life. They said he taught us to love our enemies, to be servants, and to share our possessions. And we Mennonites have called this the path of discipleship. I mentioned in my sermon on church discipline a couple of weeks ago that this was the conviction that really gave rise to the Anabaptist movement in the 16th century. This focus on the teachings of Jesus for a transformed life. And Caleb Redekop highlighted this again in his sermon last week on the text from Isaiah. What is the true worship that God desires? Is it proper theology? Is it a right list of beliefs? No, says Isaiah. The worship that God desires is a way of life. It is to loose the bonds of injustice, to let the oppressed go free, to share one's bread with the hungry. So we Mennonites understand this basic point that Cynthia is making about Jesus, that his teaching is important. However, I find that she delves into his teaching in a way that we may not be so familiar with. And so I want to take a few moments to um, unpack this a bit. She says that Jesus' teaching is about much more than morality. It's much more about what we should or shouldn't be doing. It's about a transformation of consciousness, which I, for one, did not learn much about in my Mennonite education. I just thought we were supposed to try hard to do what Jesus taught us to do. And when we couldn't really do it, we'll have to keep trying harder. Like that guy walking around with the sandwich board sign that says, Jesus is coming. Look busy. <laughs> you know, to make her point, Bourgeau looks at some of Jesus' teachings which don't seem to make sense to our normal mind to the normal moral mind um, like this parable that Liz read this morning it's an odd teaching when the wise bride bridesmaids are asked to share their oil they say no go and get some for yourselves there might not be enough left for us this does not seem like wise or good behavior according to the Jesus that I know we're supposed to share aren't we Aren't we supposed to be kind to those who have less? And did not Jesus in another one of his teachings say, lend to all who ask? And then when they're out looking for oil, the bridegroom comes, and this is presumably the Messiah or the event of salvation. And the, and, um, the wise ones are there and they leave with him. The foolish ones are late. They've missed it. When they get back, they notice that the door to the banquet hall is closed. And so they knock and they call out to the Lord, Here we are, we're here now, let us in, please. And the Lord replies, No, I don't know you. That's not very nice at all. It's not like the Jesus that I know. Didn't he say somewhere that all who knock, that the door will be open to them? What about his care for the outsiders and those on the margins? What about his love for the lost sheep, like these poor bridesmaids? It's a puzzling teaching, and we don't really know what to do with it. Although Liz had an 
interpretation for the children this morning. Um, but it's, it's a bit strange, and we probably ignore it, you know, in favor of other teachings that make more sense. But this, too, is a teaching from Jesus, and I, I think it's a sign that there's more going on in some of his teachings than we understand. There are various levels to Jesus' teaching, and we may not comprehend them all. Jesus is more than just a moral teacher. Bourgeau claims that he's a wisdom teacher, that he taught a whole new way of perceiving reality, a um, new way of, a new type of consciousness. And when speaking about consciousness, uh, she likes to use the computer metaphor of an operating system. Um, that we all come as human beings into the world with a basic OS installed at the factory. Um, as we, and it's, it's an OS based on differentiation. As we develop as young children, we soon learn we're distinct from our mother, although at the very beginning we can't tell. But soon we realize, okay, we're our own person. When a parent asks a two-year-old to do something, a two-year-old can say, no. And they get a satisfaction from it because they realize, oh, I can, I can make my own decisions. Right? And this is how we uh, develop. We understand life by differentiation, by comparing things that are not alike, that are different. We create boundaries between me and you, between us and them, between colors, shapes, textures, temperatures, between my ideas and yours, what's good, what's not good, what's enjoyable, what's not enjoyable. It's how we make sense of the world, how we understand ourselves. And Cynthia refers this to this as the basic egoic operating system. And it's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just the way we function. However, it's not the only operating system in existence. It's not the only means of perception available to human beings. And she says that the spiritual life is about gaining access to other operating systems. First of all, the spiritual life is about living well within the basic egoic operating system, but then it's also about pursuing an upgrade. <clears throat> There's such things as OS 2.0, and it moves beyond this paradigm of differentiation and comparison. 2.0 moves into a unitive way of seeing that looks beyond differentiation to a larger whole. It's the way of Jesus when he says, I and the Father are one. Or when he talks about the vine and the branches all being one thing. Or when he says in his farewell speech, I am in them, you are in me, we are in each other, that they all may be one. And it's when, it's when Paul is talking about when he says to people, put on the mind of Christ. And when he says, in the mind of Christ, there's no longer male nor female, there's no longer Jew nor Greek, nor slave nor free. It's a new way of looking at the world. We know something of this in, in our ecological awareness. We know that human beings, we now are understanding that human beings are not 
separate from nature, but part of it. We are, in a sense, the air we breathe, the food we eat, what we do to the atmosphere we do to ourselves. Races and cultures are not intrinsically separate, but parts of a larger human family. And God is no longer seen as a separate being out there somewhere. God is in us, and we are in God. This unitive way of seeing moves beyond attitudes of scarcity, fear, protection. It sees the abundance of the whole and no longer feels the same need to define, protect, guard, and fight. Jesus says, well, look at the birds of the air. They have all they need. In another parable, he tells this, this way of seeing is, is uh, hinted at or described. You might remember the parable of the workers in the vineyard. There, there's some workers that come and are hired at the 9 o'clock in the morning, and then some come at noon. Others come at, you know, 5 to 6 in the afternoon, five minutes be, before closing time. And then the owner of the vineyard gathers them together and gives them all the same wage. And immediately our regular way of thinking rebels, like this isn't fair, we compare, you know, why should someone who worked for five minutes get the same amount of pay as someone who worked the whole day? Well, Jesus is showing a different way of thinking. It's, it's not about this comparison, it's, it's a whole of abundance to each according to his need or her need from the abundance. So Jesus is not only teaching ethical commands, He's teaching a new way of seeing the world. And in many ways, his ethical commands, I think, are not really possible to follow unless we can really see from this larger perspective. And so what about this parable of the ten bridesmaids? Well, what if the oil in the lamps was a symbol of this new way of seeing, of this unitive way of seeing? Um, and this new way of seeing, this wisdom way, is something that's developed over time. It's not something that's immediately natural. It comes as a result of spiritual practice and discipline. And so, even if someone comes wanting this oil, it's not something that can just be given. Just like um, someone who says, well, I want to be able to play piano. You can't, if you play piano, you can't just give it to them if they haven't taken any lessons. And this consciousness, this, this oil, is what's necessary to see. It allows them to see the bridegroom or to see salvation when it comes. And if we don't have the oil, the OS 2.0, some, some important opportunities might be lost to us. So it makes sense to seek this oil to find a teacher who can help us collect it, a teacher of wisdom, someone like Jesus.